0: Well, good morning, everyone. After John's introduction, I know you've just been wondering what I'm going to sound like this morning. And now, now you know. Um, so um, I think this is just both myself and Maria struggling to come to terms with immunity from Liverpool nursery bugs. Um, so we've been looking after our granddaughter this week, who's um, had a viral illness. And so I think we thought we would got away with it until um, halfway through the night, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I haven't quite got away with it. So um, I hope that's not too off-putting, because actually, don't listen to me. uh, Listen to what God is saying. Um, I know some of you are going to find me incredibly irresistible with a voice like this, but it's okay. Uh, This, too, will pass, don't worry. I'll be back to my normal squeaky self uh, fairly shortly. Um, but it's interesting from the very start where John read from Psalm 34 about looking to the Lord, to the worship through Susan's word about trees, and we're going to be looking at Zacchaeus this morning, but fruitfulness, and he's here to minister his grace. Because God is in the business of transforming us. He's a transformational God. Uh, and we're going to look at Zacchaeus as a story. We're going to read that first, and then we're going to just... List, um, Pick out some of the key issues that I feel God spoke to me about in this story. So um, I think we've got we've got it up there. That's great. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a a fig tree or a sycamore tree to see Jesus. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner again, you could hear some of them say, couldn't you? Because this was a a frequent pattern of Jesus' ministry, guest of sinners. John spoke about that um, a few weeks ago. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. So on the surface of it, this looks like a very straightforward story, doesn't it? In fact, if any of you have got a Sunday school background, uh, or if you've read your Bible, you'll know the story of Zacchaeus. Some of you might have even heard it in school assemblies. It's very straightforward and probably could be summarized like this. Once upon a time, there was a little bad man who climbs up a tree to see Jesus. He gets more than he bargained for, and his life is transformed by the grace of God, and he lives happily ever after the end. Okay, brilliant. So thanks for coming. Tea and coffee is now served. Um, uh, but of course, you know, that's not going to be the case because actually there's quite a lot in this story that doesn't necessarily, uh, it, it, there's more to it than meets the eye. There's more in this story for us this morning. And the word eye is what I feel God has been putting in my get. you know, looking at Jesus, connecting eye to eye with him. So just bear that in mind and we'll come back to it in a second. So what do we know about Zacchaeus? Um, Well, it it seems fairly obvious, doesn't it, from uh, from this passage in Luke's gospel. He lived in Jericho. Jericho was about 15 miles, I think, northeast of Jerusalem. It was a city of palm trees, freshwater springs, strategic, influential, and rich. Herod had a palace there. So this this wasn't a backwater place. Jericho was a substantial and significant place. And Zacchaeus lived there, and not only, not only did he live there, he was the chief tax collector. So he had lots of opportunity to make money. And I think uh, last week, Graham did a great job uh, for those who were here about just explaining how how people did that. And you know, people would claim taxes, and certain people would be in a position where they could just fiddle the books, add a little bit more, pocket the extra bit, pass you know, pass uh, the tax up to. Uh, the rulers and owners of the city, but just keep a little bit in their back pocket. And, you know, person upon person upon person upon person would would make the tax collectors rich. And Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, or Zac, as I'm going to call him from now on, um, was the chief, or a chief tax collector. And he was wealthy. But we find out, of course, that he'd been wealthy because he'd been stealing from people. Now, when we say wealthy, wealth is a, a relative thing, isn't it? So if you think about our circumstances here, if you said someone who lived in the poshest part of Darlington was wealthy, that probably isn't wealthy compared to the people who live in the poshest parts of London, for example. So being wealthy in Darlington is probably not the same as being wealthy in Knightsbridge or Mayfair. It's an order of magnitude different. Jericho was a wealthy city and Zacchaeus was wealthy in a wealthy city. We also know that he was a little man. He was short in stature. But actually, despite all of those things, he was a curious man. He wanted to see Jesus, it says in verse 3. Perhaps he'd been encouraged by the stories that he'd read and heard um, about Jesus associating with tax collectors and sinners. Much to the annoyance, frustration, and suspicion of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law, the, the establishment of the time, as just, just said a minute or two ago, Jesus made a habit of associating himself with those who were lost, as we'll come at, at the end of this, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see at the end of this passage. So perhaps Zacchaeus thought, oh, he's a guy who actually seems to connect with people like me. I'm interested. I want to see him. We also know that Zacchaeus was um, resourceful <clears throat> because he made sure that despite the fact he was short, he still wanted to see He didn't want to be at the back of the crowd. He didn't want to be that person jumping up or, or trying to find a little vantage point. He said, I want a proper look at this man. So he found himself a big tree, <clears throat> and he climbed into the tree. So, excuse me, <clears throat> he was planning ahead to make sure he could do what he wanted to do. And that's interesting because I'm not sure whether it was the habit of chief tax collectors to be shinning up trees in the middle of a big crowd. I suspect it probably wasn't the done thing. It wasn't normal for a a low in stature but high in public standing to be demeaning themselves by shinning up trees uh, above the the height of the crowd in order to see someone else. But what we also notice from Zacchaeus when Jesus finally stops and meets him, we'll come to that in a second, was that he was open. He was responsive and he was grateful. He was open to what Jesus had to say to him. He responded immediately and he gladly welcomed him into his house. Now I bet Zacchaeus got more than he bargained for that day. In fact, we know that he did. And I wonder how he was feeling. If you could put yourself in any way into his shoes right now, that he was just an observer, wanted to see, and then ended up with Jesus in his front room. Now, just think about that for a second. What would it be like to have Jesus sat in your front room? What would you be thinking? Picture's not straight. Perhaps I should have dusted the, the coffee table, or well, the cushions aren't plumped up enough. No, you wouldn't be, would you? You'd be transfixed by the presence of this man and there was something about him. Perhaps you couldn't put your finger on it. Perhaps you didn't, didn't know, but you felt different because he was there, because his presence was in the room. And we feel that, don't we, in worship? We felt it this morning, you can feel it now. When we turn to him, he's right there. To have Jesus in the room. And I wonder as well, whether as the conversation went on, he'd be thinking, first of all, this man knew my name and I'd never spoken to him before. What else is it about me he knows? And when he gets up at the end, I, I've always read it, you know, uh, at the end he, he said, okay, I'm going to give halfway, I'm going I'm to repay everybody. It's a bit like a preemptive strike, you know, when you know you've been caught red-handed. That, you know, some kids do that. Either, you we know, probably fall into the, no, it wasn't me, I didn't do it. Yeah, I saw you, it wasn't me, that wasn't me. Whoever you saw wasn't me, saw you, it wasn't me. Or they say, it was me, it was me, okay, and I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this, and this, please don't punish me too badly because I'm going to be so good because I've been found out. But actually, when you read the story, it feels like it's towards the end of the time that Jesus had spent with Zacchaeus. That Zacchaeus then came to him and said, this is what I'm going to do. He'd spent time with Jesus. He probably spent more time in that afternoon reflecting on his life and his behavior and how he's he's been than he did in the whole of his life put together. Because one would assume that he was quite fixated on becoming very wealthy. Just how much he could get away with, how much he'd got, how much he wanted. How much is enough? We're talking about this with some friends the other day. How much is enough? Seems to be always a little bit more, doesn't it? Rather than what we've got. Zacchaeus, all these things have been going through his mind, but somehow he came to this realization that this person he was talking to was transforming his life, even just being in his presence. So that was Zacchaeus. What about Jesus? He's, he's the other key person, in fact, the most important person in this story. If you look at verse 1, it says this, As Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, uh, we know from the rest of luke 's gospel that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to be killed it 's very close to the end of his ministry on earth, and as he passed through Jericho with this experience, he did some, he did some teaching and then he was into um, uh, breaking bread with his disciples and into the crucifixion and resurrection story so Jesus and we know from other parts I think it 's in mark's gospel where There's a particular moment in time when, I think it's Mark chapter 8 somewhere, but might be wrong, where it says Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. He knew now is the time. His father father had spoken to him, right, your time for teaching is towards an end. Time for your sacrifice is arriving. And he set his mind, he set his heart, set his eye on Jerusalem. And this is part of his journey to Jerusalem, having been that, uh, taken that, that step towards the end. Secondly, in Luke verse 1, it says this, he was passing through. It doesn't say Jesus was going to Jericho. He said he was passing through Jericho. I don't get the impression that he was purposefully going to stay in Jericho. He had no plan to do anything in Jericho. He was passing through. And yet it's another of those occasions um, where despite the crowds around him, Hundreds, possibly, we don't know. Could have even been thousands. Jesus felt something. Perhaps his father just nudging him about one man. In the middle of the multitude, Jesus had his eye on one man, one person. Has Jesus got his eye on you? Has he got his eye on me? And just in the way that only Jesus can, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, he comes to a point and stops. And he looks up into the tree. Zacchaeus. And in that moment, Jesus changed his plans for the whole day. He was passing through. He was going somewhere else. God spoke to him. His father spoke to him, you've got work to do here. And Jesus was quite happy to say, right, okay, we're gonna, I was going through here, I was passing through, now I'm staying. Because the Holy Spirit spoken to him. He was prepared to change his plans because he knew there was kingdom work to be done. Yet again, as we said, Jesus is associating himself with those who uh, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees look down on. By, by doing so, Jesus was, in their eyes, polluting himself. But at that moment, Jesus and Zacchaeus met. And Zacchaeus's life would never be the same again. It's a bit like, you know, those, uh, those romantic films. Um, uh, I was thinking about this. I couldn't, uh, this thought only came to me this morning. I didn't want to go Googling romantic films before you start speaking on a Sunday morning. But... Um, you know, where you have a film which is set up, you have, um, you know, him and her. Him and her have never met. This is his life, that's her life. And it bounces between the two and you get to know them as characters and you get to either like them or dislike them. You wonder how it's all going to go. And then at one moment, that the the kind of turning point of the whole movie is when they bump into each other or, you know, he, he's rushing around, he bumps and knocks a bag and they, they bend over and they start picking stuff up and all of a sudden, they look at each other and think, uh what's going on? There's a connection made. They're starting to fall in love. It's a love story. And you know what? This is a love story as well. Because the moment that Zacchaeus looked up and Zacchaeus's eyes met Jesus that turning point in his whole life is a story of love and transformation. And it's that eye-to-eye contact that's been living with me um, as I've been thinking about this over the last few weeks. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus and he will have had sight of Jesus. He was curious, as we said before, wanted just to observe him, wanted to see what all the fuss was about, Wanted perhaps to hear some of these wise words. Perhaps he wanted to catch a miracle. See, Jesus, before he'd heard all sorts of things about what this man had been doing, perhaps he just wanted to see that. Just wanted, come on, Jesus, I want, there you are. Oh, he's coming. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to say something? Is he going to stop? But Zacchaeus didn't get just to observe Jesus. He got more than that. He had an encounter with Jesus. He moved from being an observer to a participator. He ended up being seen by him. He got to look right into Jesus's eyes. And even more importantly, Jesus got to look right into Zacchaeus's eyes. I wonder how he felt at that very moment, looking into the eyes of the Son of God. An eye-to-eye contact is so important, isn't it? You know, we talk to each other um, normally. Taking, you're looking at people now. When you're having a conversation with people and it feels easy and relaxed but connected, you know how to use. You know, you look, but you you sort of you you communicate with your your voice, but your eyes and your mood, your emotion, your the way you move, etc. And if you have a normal, healthy, wholesome conversation, it feels good because you feel like you've connected. But I wonder whether or not you've had the experience where you've been talking to someone and they never look you in the eye at all. They're always looking down. You're you're talking to them, but they're kind of looking away. Or occasionally they'll just kind of flick up and see what, you know. It's a bit unnerving, isn't it? You kind of think, I'm not connecting with this person. And on the other hand, it's a bit weird if someone looks you in the eye if you're talking to them, doesn't blink, just listens, stares at you, stares at you. Be a bit weird, wouldn't it? Eye to eye contact, so important. But do you know what? There's a lot in the scriptures about us looking to Jesus. And he is never uncomfortable with however long we look him in the eye. In fact, he wants us to do it. Zacchaeus had a chance to see Jesus physically, look him in the eye. And there are lots of scriptures about turning, you know, uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And even things like in, in the book of John, the gospel of John talks, Jesus says, open your eyes, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. What he's really saying is that you can see this, but you know what? Behind there's something bigger. Like Susan was saying earlier on, you know, we've, you know, that we have all got gifts, we've all got talents, we've all got abilities, God's called us to do things. And sometimes we just see the little bit, but actually God's saying, as you step out, there's much more. You have no idea what can open up if you see things from a spiritual perspective. If you come to look from where I am, not look from where you are. But you know what? It's impossible to look from where he is unless we look to him. Otherwise we'll always be seeing our perception, our perspective, our picture. Um, it's like that old song, him, um, worship song we says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. That's what Zacchaeus had the opportunity to do. Zacchaeus is a story about grace and transformation. It'll be in here about Zacchaeus the tax collector or the man who climbed a tree. But that's not true. That's what happened. That, that was a physical thing. What actually happened was grace and transformation. A man's life was completely transformed. And if, with, if you allow me to have my grumpy old man hat on, a minute, um, and the use of words, which I know I keep going on about from time to time, transformation is yet another word we've completely devalued in our society. We use it for completely the wrong reasons. I probably shouldn't say this, but we're going through organizational change And a lot of people talking about the transformation into a new organization. No, we're we're making a transition into a new organization. We're not transforming into a new organization, and there's a world of difference between the two. Transformation is about an extreme and radical change, and there could be no more transformation than coming into the right relationship with God as our Father through Jesus Christ to know you're forgiven, clothed in goodness and purity, Free from fear and walking with Jesus. Now that's transformation. That's not transition. That's transformation, and that's what this story is all about. But just as a PS, there are two. There's a couple of things at the end of this uh, this section. It says here, Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham." That would have been again. Um, a real poke in the eye from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to see that a man who had fallen so far away from being a son of Abraham has been restored by what he he said. And Jesus says this, for the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. And that's our mission as well, isn't it? We're talking about transforming lives and changing communities it is about seeking and saving the lost. On the surface of it, Zacchaeus might not, look, might not have looked like the perfect alpha candidate. He had everything he wanted and more. But it was Jesus who knew what was going on in his heart. So it's almost like we shouldn't, if we can take something from this, it's not judging what we see physically, what we see Immediately, it's saying to God, what do you you see? Help me to see what you see. Because who knows what work can take place as we step into listening to him and then just acting. Jesus said, didn't he, I only do what I hear and see my father. Hear my father saying, see my father doing. That was his mission statement. That was his, um, uh, the thing that he, that governed the way he lived hearing his father and doing what his father said. Despite what the physical and obvious circumstances are, there may be people that we all know, and I'm guilty of this too, thinking, I don't think they'd be very interested. Who knows? Paul, stop it. Listen to him. Because it's God who is at work in our hearts. So the challenge to us, I guess, is this. Two things really. One, are we we looking Jesus in the eye? He wants us more and more to look him in the eye. Spend time looking at him just as Zacchaeus did, to be in a place where we can hear him speak to us, especially out of the blue. And I guess a lesson from Jesus from time to time would be are we prepared to ditch our schedule and move in with him? Jesus was passing through, God spoke to him, nothing else then mattered, not his plan not what his schedule was for the day. He was just being obedient to his heavenly father. And if we were prepared to do that, not only would we start to see what was, uh, Su- Susan was sharing with us earlier, we'll see far more Zacchaeuses coming into the kingdom. And that's what we want, isn't it? Let's pray together.